First Chronicles tonight, if you'll turn your Bibles to the book of First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter number 10. First Chronicles chapter number 10. I appreciate the music, all the effort that goes into it, and it's always a blessing. First Chronicles chapter number 10, and uh, we're going to uh, look at the scripture this evening, and I believe this message will be a help. As I was preparing uh, the messages for today uh, earlier in the week, this past week, and God impressed these uh, messages on my uh, heart, prepare this morning's message and then this evening's message, and uh, uh, tonight is one of those messages, I'm going to be very pastoral if you'll allow me to be, and I'd like for you to give me your attention, obviously, uh, give me your heart. Uh, there's a lot of people, I mean, this can help, this, is, this will help all of us. As we go through the message tonight, there's some important principles I want us to be uh, reminded of. And uh, when the Lord impresses a certain thought, a certain, a certain theme uh, on my mind, I certainly know that it is for somebody. And tonight, the message, of course, is for all of us. Uh, but there's some key, key truths that I want to give us. And right in the middle, especially, uh, there's a key truth I want us to see. And I'll take the time to point it out. Uh, but as we get into the message, I think you'll understand uh, as we go along. First Chronicles chapter number 10. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. And the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain. In Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard after Saul and after his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchizua, the sons of Saul. And the battle went sore <clears throat> against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was wounded of the archers. Then said Saul to his armor bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. So Saul took a sword and fell upon it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise on the sword and died. Verse 6, So Saul died, and his three sons and all his house died together. I want us to look at those first three words of verse number 6. This is the title of my message this evening. So Saul died. This is the book of First Chronicles, and if you were to take the time this evening to turn back to chapter number 1. You find this book of the Bible chronicles history of God's people. We get to chapter number 10, and there's a brief description of the death of Saul, and it just states in the Bible, so Saul died. I want us to look at this passage this evening, and I think there's some truths that will help us. Father, I pray... We'll use your word tonight to help us, to strengthen us, to warn us, to guide us, to call us to action. And Father, I pray that you would use what is said this evening. And Father, I pray that uh, we would be sensitive to the moving of the Spirit tonight. I know it's the end of July, getting ready for a new school year. It's uh, warm, and sometimes we're distracted and, and tired from activities of the day, but I pray that uh, our attention would be fixed on your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've mentioned verses 1 through 6, as we read, tells us the end of the first king, Saul. If you don't know much about the history of Israel, and perhaps you, you don't know much about Saul, I'll remind all of us, and if you've uh, been in church any length of time, no doubt you understand that Saul was the first king. Saul was 
chosen by God to be the first king of his people. Now, it was not God's uh, desire for the the people to have a king because he ruled them. And there was consequences for Israel choosing a king, but nevertheless, God gave in to the people's wishes and he gave them a king. And the Bible describes Saul as head and shoulders above. He was the choicest young man. He was, the Bible describes him as goodly, meaning there's everything good about him. You think of Saul's, finish, or Saul's beginning and you think of all that Saul had going for him. Saul was used by God in a great way. Saul, there was a time when God used him to bring victory for his people and God was honored and glorified because of Saul. But Saul's end was much different than Saul's beginning. Was he unlucky? That's not why his ending was different. Uh, was he uh, a victim of, of, of the circumstances? That's not why his ending was different. The character of Saul is a fascinating character to me and one that every so often my attention is drawn back to because there's such a picture of how you start does not guarantee how you finish. And there is a pattern that God lays out and there's things that God tell us about Saul that there was a reason why God elevated him. And then there's things God tells us about Saul that in chapter number 10 and verse number 6, it becomes a footnote. So Saul died. And in verse 13 and 14, we get a little more insight from God of the death of Saul. In verse number 13, we find those same three words that we find at the beginning of verse number 6. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. And inquired not, and inquired not of the Lord, therefore he slew him, and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. On the surface, maybe you're confused by that because we read that the Philistines slew Saul. Only at the allowing of God did that take place. So Saul died. Verse 13 and 14 give us insight. And tonight I want to just mention four statements. And I hope that we'll pay close attention because Saul finished much different than when he started. Let me say number one. Saul died when and how he did because of God's judgment. Every one of us is going to die. Unless the rapture takes place and unless the Lord's timing is for us to be, as a church, to be raptured out of here, every one of us is going to die. But in many cases, we have a say in how soon and in what way we do so. See, we live in a day when we have tried to neutralize in our own mind the judgment of God. Make no mistake about it. The people we have lording over us in Washington, D.C. are not the people we desire, but they're the people our nation, as a nation we deserve. I'm thankful that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. It's been a stain on our nation for decades. We're still going to be judged for those decades. God's judgment 
is a real thing. We don't have a lot of preaching on that today. We don't like a lot of preaching on that today. But Saul died when and how he did because of God's judgment. I'm going to take us, and I'm not going to wait for you to get there. You write down the reference if you desire. 1 Samuel chapter number 15 gives us insight. The first three verses read, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. God gave a command to utterly destroy the enemies of God off of the earth. We're not tonight, we're not here to discuss God's reasoning behind that. The fact of the matter is, God decreed that. God is a just God. God is a perfect God. We are to obey what God instructs us to do. And Saul was to obey God. There was a time when God decreed that, that Saul would obey, and God blessed. We find a different reaction. We find Saul's disobedience. In verse number 9. Now, we are giving some clarity to what First Chronicles declares about the death of Saul. It says, because he went against the commandment of the Lord. Verse number 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly. Now, is that what God said to do? Absolutely not. It's not what God said to do. God said to destroy all. God said to defeat, to, to completely wipe them out. That is not what God did. Now, Saul is going to justify his actions. And friend, that is a pattern that sadly we see often in the life of a Christian. We justify our disobedience. Saul's going to go on to say, well, I kept the best sheep because I want to sacrifice that to the Lord. That's not what God said. God said to destroy them, Saul disobeyed God. He rejected God's command. Let me put it this way. When we read of Saul's death in 1 Chronicles, Saul was still king because he had the crown on his head. But God had already anointed David, and God recognized David as the king because he's going to remove the kingdom from Saul. When Saul dies, and he dies that coward's death, and he dies defeated, he dies outside of the will of God. Friend, hear me very well tonight. The saddest place, the saddest place, For a Christian to take their last breath is out of the will of God. The saddest place for a Christian to take their last breath is away from fellowship with God. And I'm going to get ahead of myself, and I'm going to use the Bible to show this tonight. 
When you die outside of the Word of God, you die outside of the man of God, you die outside of the people of God, you are outside of the will of God. He rejected God's command. And when we reject God's commands, we reject His Word that places us outside of the will of God. Too many rebels today make fun of that. Are you in the will of God? Friend, that's nothing to scoff at. It is something Christians every day ought ought to look at their situation and say, am I pleasing God? You do realize that your, your health regimen isn't keeping you alive. It's an almighty God that's keeping your heart beating. It's His air we breathe. I think it would do us all well if we all get busy and we all get, 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 get distracted and do us well on a daily basis to start our day. God, I want to please you today. God, am I pleasing you today? And before we go to bed every night, did I please my God today? Is there something I need to get right with Him? Because if God were to take me, I want to be... In his will, I want to be pleasing him. I want to be doing what he has told me to do. It's a serious matter to disobey God. It's a serious matter to disobey him. To reject God's command. I read also 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. Then came the word of the law unto Samuel, saying. Samuel, God's man, had no idea that Saul had not fulfilled what he had been commanded to do. Lo and behold, God gives Samuel insight into what has not been done. Verse 11, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. for He has turned back from following me. And hath not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. But one, I keep threatening to do this. One time I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a series on the, some of the saddest verses in the Bible. I think of, of Samson, and he wist not that the power of the Lord left him. I think of this verse of Scripture. And when God would say, it repenteth me, I wish I had never made him king. Now, Saul died when and how he did because he disobeyed God. He got outside of God's will. He got to a place where he felt like he could discern, this is what God has said, I can take it, I can filter it through my own mind, I can justify why I'm not going to be obedient. Friend, an underrated thing in the life of a Christian is just to obey. Just to obey. Well, we look at our children and say, you don't have to have an explanation. Just obey. And as long as they obey, everything's going to be okay. And a lot of times when they obey, it's to keep them safe. It's so that one day when they're making their own decisions, they know how to make that decision. The same is true of a child of God. We just need to obey God. Let me say statement number two. I remind you, first of all, Saul died when and how he did because of God's judgment. He did not die where he could have died in the way that he could have died. He died outside of God's will. Why, did he, why was he killed by the enemy? Because we read here in 1 Samuel 15, God removed his hand. God took away the kingdom. 
So therefore, he died the way he did. Statement number two. This is so important. And if you get nothing else I say this evening, I want you to get this point. Saul rebelled instead of repented. If we are honest, there's nobody in this room who can say they've never disobeyed God. There's nobody who can say, well, there's, I've justified this and I, and I haven't done exactly what I should do. We've all, we all have disobeyed God. The difference in whether or not you die outside the will of God or inside the will of God is when you're confronted with your disobedience, do you repent or do you rebel? Important pattern here we see, and I want you to get this evening. In verses 13 through 23, and I, don't, I won't take the time to read all these verses. I was going to, but, but I won't take the time. Samuel comes to Saul. And Saul, as soon as he sees the man of God, he declares in verse 13, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's another way of saying, I know that I'm in the will of God. I, I know that this is the right thing. I've prayed about it, Pastor. The problem is, and Samuel responds in verse 14, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep? The sheep God told you to kill, why am I hearing them? And sometimes we get frustrated as, at our pastor. We get frustrated at, 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 at leadership because we don't just take at, at, on, on, on your surface and we convince ourselves that, that I've done the right thing and I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. But you can hear the sheep. Saul goes on to justify. Well, I save them because I'm going to sacrifice them to God. And verse number 19, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil of this evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, verse 20, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. This is after Samuel had already in the previous verses, verse number 17, pointed out, When thou wast little in thine own sight. But you know, you know what now? Saul knows as much as the pastor. Saul is on such a spiritual plane that he can discern what part of the Bible applies to him and what part of the Bible does not apply to him. And Samuel points out, when you were humble, when you were little in thine own sight, Saul, you remember when you started out? If you know the story of Saul, Saul had been given to the, 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 the prestigious job of finding his daddy's donkeys that got out. You know what Saul did? So let's go ask the man of God. Let's go get some counsel from him. He's gone from getting counsel from something as simple as, as Samuel, do you, do you have any idea where those donkeys might have gone? To now when he is the king of the nation, 
and he has uh, much bigger things to get counsel from. He rejects the voice of God. How, how does somebody get from, hey, pastor, just give me some counsel and point me in the right direction. Hey, mom and dad, uh, can, you, can you give me some counsel about what I should do or, 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 or some other uh, spiritual leader in, in, in our family? And by the way, the spiritual leaders that God would have in your life are in the room. They're not on the internet. They don't pastor some other church. That's a Bible principle. If you're getting counsel from another man of God, I wouldn't give you two cents for his integrity. Now he's gone to the point where, Samuel, let me correct you. This is a pattern that plays out, sadly, over and over again. Saul is full of pride. Samuel reminds him, when I was little in thine own sight... In verse 20 and 21, Saul just continues to justify. He's, what is he doing in his justification? He is rebuking Samuel. Can somebody take this Bible and show me any time it has worked out for somebody to rebuke God's man? Give me an illustration in life. This is one of those principles we like to ignore in 2022, but... God still has a pattern of authority. God still speaks through that book and through his man. God still puts them a message on the heart of a pastor and sends him to the pulpit with a burden. And what is the responsibility? It's responsibility to us to heed what God has said. God, through counsel, impresses and uses the, the Scripture to, to give wisdom and so that we can, as, as we're shepherded along the way, and now you find... Saul correcting Samuel. It takes me about 30 seconds to look at the life of Saul and the life of Samuel and determine whose walk with God I'm going to give more credence to. And let me tell you, it takes about that long to do it in the life of Christians today as well. See, when God has given a command and God directs us to do something, He's going to use His Word, and He's going to use His man to point us in the right direction, but also to stand in our way when we disobey the commands of God. Now, how you react to that is going to determine how you die. And I don't mean by the sword of the Philistines. I don't mean by, by some gruesome way as we describe. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, although there's Bible examples of this, I'm not saying that it's, 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 it's going to happen, some, some tragic thing is going to take place, but what I am saying, there's a pattern of dying outside of the will of God or inside the will of God. And when we are confronted Aren't you glad you got the Spirit of God in you? Aren't you glad you got the Spirit of God to convict you? It's not your conscience. It's God's Spirit that, is bringing, that brings us under conviction. I'm thankful for that. But when Saul was confronted, instead of repenting, he rebelled. 
There's one thing that as you study this Bible, you cannot get away from. No matter how heinous the deeds, yes, there are consequences for our action. But God, 100% of the time, grants mercy for repentance. Did you hear what I said? 100% of the time, he grants mercy for repentance. Illustration that comes right to my mind is King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah fell on his face and God, God had already decreed his death and God gave him 15 more years. Why? Because he fell on his face before God. I believe our nation can have more time, but God's people need to fall on their face before God and we need to repent of the, of, of the sins of our nation. And how many Christians, when we are confronted, when, when we fill up with pride and instead of repenting, well, you ought to, young people, you ought to thank God that you got a mom and dad that's more concerned with you doing right than being your best buddy and giving you everything that you think you ought to have. And if you'll permit me to say it, and this isn't comfortable for pastors to teach and preach on, but you ought to thank God that you got a pastor who's willing to make an enemy of you before I have on my conscience that I did not do what I was supposed to do to give warning from this book, to give warning in my counsel and say, I've already, well, how do you know how it's going to end? Because I read First Chronicles chapter number 10. I know how it ends. I know how it ends. And you and I, when God confronts us, please, if you get this tonight, it, maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm right in line with what God wants for my life, the best of my ability. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm doing what God wants me to do. Friend, you remember this. If you ever have those weak times and those weak moments, you ever stumble, get back up, confess it to God, repent of it, and God will grant mercy, and God will grant forgiveness, and God is not just the God of second chances and third chances, but God is a long-suffering God, and might we all give praise to God to, 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 tonight because of that. But he that is reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed. After all, Saul was king. After all, he's winning battle after battle after battle. He re... He died, as we read in First Chronicles, because he rebelled instead of repenting. I don't know who needs to hear this tonight, but if God's speaking to you about a change of course that you need to make in your life, you've got one or two options tonight. You can rebel or you can repent. When I say repent, I'm not your priest. You don't repent to me, but you can repent to God. What should Saul have done? Samuel, you're right. What a gracious God to send his man to point out how I've erred so that I don't face the consequences of my actions. You know what's, if you keep reading this, Saul goes and finishes, I mean Samuel goes and finishes what Saul should have done. There was still time for Saul to finish what God had told him to do. There was still time for Saul 
to, 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 to correct his actions and, and, and be in, in obedience to God. And that's just as just a picture of what God allows us. God always gives us an opportunity to do what we're supposed to do. He always gives the opportunity of repentance to say, hey, I'm, I'm thankful that somebody, and I'll use this illustration, why in the world is it when we go to the doctor and he tells us, change your diet, change your exercise regimen, stay away from these things, go to your refrigerator and throw everything out. And if it ain't this, this, and this, don't eat it. And we say, that's oh, just a good doctor. He just tells it like it is. Yet when the man of God does it, he's just trying to control my life. Who does he think he is? He's probably somebody who's trying to keep you from finishing outside the will of God. I've discovered this in my life, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this. We all need to hear it, but I don't know who specifically needs this this evening. When we make a foolish decision, God always gives us a chance. God's a good God. When we bow that neck, and in this case, Saul looks at the man of God and rebukes him, corrects him. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That is when Saul's future was sealed. I give you number three. If you look in our text tonight, 1 Chronicles 13. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. Notice this. There's a progression here. We don't just reject the counsel of God. We reject God's counsel and then seek counsel that will justify our position. Notice what Saul did. He kept not, he rejected the word of the Lord, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. In 1 Samuel chapter 28, we find Saul going to a witch at Endor. He went, and by the way, let me back up, and some of you may not understand why, 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 why I, would, I would be as strong as I am in this position. But if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 15, and when God says he repents of the fact that he sent Saul to be king, the end of that verse, it says it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. Samuel almost quit the ministry because he cared so much for Saul. And he did what he did because he knew the end results. And God had to get a hold of Samuel and say, Samuel, get up. Quit pouting, quit feeling sorry for yourself, and go anoint the next king. Samuel loved Saul enough to confront him. Because long before Samuel looked Saul eyeball to eyeball, he spent the night in tears. 
Samuel didn't know exactly how it was going to end up, but he knew how it was going to end up. Because now Saul has defied, he has rebuked the man that God has placed in his life. We find him having to go to a witch to get counsel to justify, to help him in his situation. Let me help you, and I hope all the young people listen to me, especially tonight, refusal to repent when you're confronted by your wrongdoing. Let him to find somebody to agree with him. Let me just help you tonight. If you want to find somebody that agrees with your rebellion, you will. If you want to find somebody that thinks a pastor like you have is a relic of the past, just doesn't fit in today, you'll find them. But that doesn't change the fact that when God gives us a command, we're supposed to obey that command. You can find a whole lot of people to justify your position. I'm just trying to point out to all of us that when we get away from God and God's command and He is gracious enough to confront us in our error. That's a good time to repent and finish what he instructs us to do. Because if we rebel, it's a progression. We're going to go. I imagine if Saul, if Samuel, if we could could go back and we could get in a time machine and we could go back to, to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and say, Saul, stop, repent. Because it won't be too long, you're going to go to a witch to try and get counsel and try and get help. He wouldn't have believed it. He just said, you're crazy. Kind of like the looks I get from time to time. When I say, you're making a decision now. And it won't be long and you'll be surprised who you're listening to. You'll be surprised who you're seeking counsel from. If it happened to Saul, it can happen to you and I. And then fourthly and finally, I want to see something at the end of chapter 14. And this is very sad to me. 1 Chronicles 10 verse 14 we see an acquired not of the Lord, therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Say, Pastor, you think it's sad that David became king? No, I think that is proof that God is going to keep his promises and David, as the Bible tells us, was a man after God's own heart. By the way, let me point something out very quickly. Man would say David's sins were more grievous than Saul's. But God did not take the kingdom away from David. Because when the prophet came and confronted David, he repented. And the kingdom stayed in David's house. But he, he, 
He, he committed adultery. He had a man killed. He did a, Oh, yeah, those were grievous things that there was a consequence for. And God did punish him, and God did chastise him, and there are consequences for our actions. But when God in His graciousness, in His graciousness, sent the man of God to confront him, David repented. Saul didn't. Saul had to correct Samuel. He didn't change. And what happens? We find, fourthly, Saul's death affected generations. It affected generations. The kingdom is going to be taken from Saul's house and given to David's house. You say, we know, Pastor, but I mean, that's prophetic. From the house of David, the Messiah was going to come, and that lineage in the, in the kingdom is in David. Let's make it a little bit more personal tonight, shall we, before we conclude? Look at me in verse number 2. And the Philistines followed hard after Saul and after his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. See, in order for God to take the kingdom away from Saul's house and give it to David's house, the heirs of Saul had to die. The Bible tells us a little bit about Jonathan, but what we know about Jonathan, there may not have been a better man on the planet at this time than Jonathan. A pure man, a principled man. But Jonathan died on the same mountain that Saul did because of Saul's actions. Friend, I hope if this is heavy tonight, it's because it's intended to be. Our actions affect those that come behind us. The moment this confrontation took place in 1 Samuel 15, and instead of repenting of his rebellion against God, he continued in his rebellion. The death certificates of Saul's sons were signed. Well, hear me tonight. There are unborn children that are going to be doomed because of the rebellion of God's people. Their grandchildren, as, 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 as crazy as this might sound to you, there's grandchildren that are yet to be born that will grow up not under the sound of the gospel. It affected generations. Now, those that come behind me, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, they have a decision to stay with the heritage that they've been given or to rebel. That's their choice. God gives a free will. But I shudder to think that my rebellion and my lack of repentance would not 
would take the, would take the say away from them. And friend, quite frankly, that's why your pastor takes seriously the things that God has given him to do, takes seriously his position, takes such a strong stand, because there are those that are coming behind us that if we don't do what we're supposed to do, their decisions are taken away from them. Oh, well, that, just seems, that just seems so far out there, Pastor. What did Jonathan do? I've already stated, I don't think there was a pure man alive during that time than Jonathan. But Jonathan was surrendered to whatever God would have, and if God would take the kingdom away from his father and give it to David... He would help hide David knowing that it meant his own death because God had chosen David to be king. What a man. He turned the kingdom over to David. The Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab. Malkishua, I conclude with this tonight. We all need to submit to God's word and leading. This is a good reminder for us. We all need to submit to God's word and God's leading. God's given you a pastor. Who, believe it or not, loves you, prays for you. Sheds tears for you. Sheds tears because he does love you. I don't mind shedding those tears. In recent days, and think of the Taylors and Rance's home going, I've shed tears for them because I know the heartache that they have experienced. That's what we do. I don't mind shedding those tears. The tears I don't, the tears I don't like shedding are the tears that Samuel shed over Saul. Because Samuel understood the seriousness of getting outside of the will of God, but the graciousness of God in confronting our rebellion. We have a choice. We have a decision. If there's something in your life tonight that you know shouldn't be there, young people, it's against your mom and dad's authority. And, and can I say, mom and dad, it's okay to have authority in the home. It's God-given. If there's something you know that puts you outside of this book, would you consider this God's graciousness? It may not sound very gracious. of a confrontation of saying, are you going to repent or are you going to rebel? If you rebel, there'll be a sad footnote one day. So Saul died. Saul may have died the picture of the most unfulfilled potential. What potential Saul had. 
No matter how much potential you have, no matter how much talent you have, no matter how much ability you have, you need God. Don't outgrow your pastor. I'm not as dumb as he looks. Don't not grow. Don't 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 outgrow your pastor. It's amazing. And let me just let me just finish with this. And whenever Saul listened to Samuel, it put him on the throne. But all of a sudden, Samuel is out of touch. Samuel doesn't know what he's talking about now. No, there was rebellion in the heart of Saul, when thou wast little in thine own eyes. Friend, you and I are but one decision away. We're but one decision away from affecting the generations that come behind us. May we seek God tonight. If you can honestly say, well, I, 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 am, I am right where we need to be. Our family's where we need to be. As far as we know, we're, we, we are right in tune with what God has for us. Consider this one of those messages that you need to file away and heed the warning. This is something that I would keep in front of your children to remind them to stay with God. And if the old time way got you this far, it'll get you the rest of the way too. If the old time way, the old Emmanuel Baptist Church gave you a good enough education to get the job that you have and you find a spouse and you find all those things, it's good enough to get you all the way. Father, help us tonight as we consider these truths.